to the Stick and Mortar Show. I'm Zach. I'm John. And this is going to be our first episode. Oh my God. Yeah, so we've got some business to take care of and we, we got some humor to take care of. Well, hopefully at least one. Yeah. Of those two. Right. So maybe we should talk about business. Sure. Let's talk. Let's get down to business. Let's get down to business. So this is a podcast we're doing. One of my favorite subjects is humor. And another one of my favorite subjects is business. Those are two of my top favorite topics, too. Can we combine them? Well, I think that we can combine them. I think that there's uh, sort of two levels to it that's this kind of the same thing just flipped on its flipped over. I think there's the humor of business, but then there's the business of humor. I think people like their jobs so much more when they work in a place where it's not all serious all the time, and there is humor. That's very true. Some of the places that I've loved working the most have not necessarily been about being funny. They've just happened to have people who are funny in the office. Right. I think that relationship and that comedy that comes out of whatever thing you're doing is probably the thing you like most about a job if you do like it. I think one of the things that makes humor a little heightened in the workplace is because it's often very unexpected. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really go to work expecting somebody to be silly or funny yeah. or to be irreverent or disrespectful. Yeah. And when they are, it ends up being a little more funny than if it was in a safer environment. Well, a huge issue uh, with being funny in the workplace is you're taking a risk because there's a lot of humor that's inappropriate. And being appropriate around an office, around work, is very important to a lot of businesses. Right. And But risk-taking is such a huge part of humor and comedy. If you're not taking a risk, there's really no way that you're going to get any response. And no one's gonna, you're not going to find any humor by just saying the safest things all the time. Right. And a lot of the humor tends to be a little more true than the truth. Oh, yeah. Truth in comedy is a huge tenet of being funny. So I've been thinking about the places I've worked uh-huh. and what made them funny. Mm-hmm. Well, as you know, I worked on the trading floor, the Chicago Options Exchange, uh-huh. which was, you're never really happy unless the guy next to you is failing miserably. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny from what I know of the movie Trading Places. Right. I mean, that's probably New York. Maybe it's a little different. But that's how I imagine things in the 80s and 90s on stock market trading floor. Do you know there's a word for taking delight in others' failures and miseries? Sadism? It's called schadenfreude. Oh, schadenfreude. Yeah. Schadenfreude. And I think the trading floor was the world capital of schadenfreudism. <laughs> uh-huh. So if somebody would come to the pit after lunch, mm-hmm. chances are in Chicago, in the trading pits, mm-hmm. if they left the floor to go to lunch, it was a liquid lunch. Oh, okay. So they're just going to get drunk? They got drunk. Okay. And trading... Is that out of fun or necessity? I think it's a coping mechanism, okay. much like humor is a coping mechanism. Yeah. So it served two purposes. It relieved the stress of the drinker, and yeah. it relieved the stress of the people who could delight in the drinker's folly. <laughs> so if someone shows up after lunch, and they've had a few drinks, not only are they using the alcohol to like cope with whatever's going on in their trading, but now all of the other traders get a little comic relief to see this person stumbling around after they've had a few. Exactly. And there's so much contempt on the trading floor 
that the people who are drunk would tend to say things that they wouldn't say if they were sober. Uh-huh. And they always were biting uh-huh. truisms about yes. the other people in the pit. Whether it was they were a greedy, Jewish, little fucking bastard. Uh-huh. Was that something that was uh, used to describe you by anybody? I'm sure it was, often. Okay. I even was spit upon by some I mean, drunks. That sounds pretty specific. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I can imagine what traders are like, but I can't imagine that they're all little, gritty Jewish bastards. No, a lot of them are Irish, tall, red-faced Irish, drunken bastards. You know, I think that I had one in my improv class when I first came to Chicago like seven years ago, seven or eight years ago. I had a guy who had was a retired trader and he was a huge drinker that's what he wanted to do is he wanted to go out after class and buy everybody in the class drinks well drinking loves company they would say things that you wouldn't say in a politically correct environment because the trading floor yeah. even if they had rules and they did and they were fines for saying politically incorrect statements you could get fined you could get fined but People would say, find me, you little bastard. They don't care. You know, <laughs> uh-huh. it's just a cost of business. Yeah. And um, it's not so manly to say, you know, if you call me a little Jewish bastard, I'm going to have you fined. Yeah, that's a... That not, doesn't endear you to your peer group. You know, I mean, I would imagine that the training floor is kind of a boys club, at least back when you were doing it. It was probably very much male-dominated. Well, think about it this way. If you loved the locker room in high school, you would love the trading floor. <laughs> if you viciously hated and avoided the locker room in You're high not going to be a good trader. Yeah, You're going to be not. the guy upstairs managing risk from a computer. And searching out someone to find with a telescope? Yeah, passively, uh-huh. aggressively. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've worked in other places that haven't been a trading floor, and uh-huh. I've sort of come up with my 14 sources of humor. Okay. For the trading floor. But first I'm going to read to you, John, a quote from the Harvard Business Review based on studies of humor by the Wharton School of Business and the London School of Economics. So the Harvard Business Review starts out its article on humor by saying, According to Wharton and the London Business School, every chuckle or guffaw brings with it a host of business benefits. Laughter relieves stress, relieves boredom. Uh Uh-huh. It boosts engagement as well as well-being. Yeah. And spurs not only creativity and collaboration, but also analytic precision and productivity. Hmm. So if that's not a reason to be funny, I don't know what is. Yeah. There's definite actual business benefits to being funny. I mean, when I think of a salesman... A successful salesman, I think of someone who's getting clients laughing, who's able to have a good time, who's able to like get people thinking and right. seeing some analytical benefit to the humor. There's a fine line between being a clown mm-hmm. in business and having people perceive you as just the clown. Yeah. Or being somebody who's funny and can deliver or fulfill and people want to be with you because of both of those reasons. Yeah. That is a powerful combination in business mm-hmm. or life. So here are the things that I think are portrayed in our popular culture in business as being funny. Mm-hmm. People who have to deal with bureaucracies or bureaucrats and the frustration oh, yeah. that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And just the absolute 
non-yielding behavior of a bureaucracy and those yeah. who are part of it. Well, bureaucracy exists not just in like government or large organizations, but it can exist in even small professional dynamics. You know that people have certain things, certain operating procedures that they like. You know, if you have to email somebody, I was working a place once, and it was probably the shortest place I've ever worked anywhere in my entire life. But the boss said that everybody's email signature had to be exactly the same, and he had this like twelve point system, and you had to email him every day with your email signature to make sure that you weren't changing it. So the other thing that I think people find maddening is when they're mm-hmm. dealing with people who only speak MBA MBA speak. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. processes uh-huh. and virtualities and supply chains and mm-hmm. strategic planning and things like that. And logistics. Uh, what is cuz logistics can be anything. Logistics has a very specific meaning in business. Uh-huh. It means getting product to the customer. Okay. Reverse logistics would be if something is broken or wants to be returned, it comes mm-hmm. from the field back to the manufacturer or the fulfiller. I often use it incorrectly then I'm finding that I'll use like, well, I guess I have a product, but I'm like, what's the logistics of me getting to the bagel place? That is not correct. Okay. Well, yeah. but I'm thinking... You're I'm, fired, John. Oh, no. First yeah, day. Sorry. I but what if I'm the product? And I need to get to the customer, and the customer is the bagel fan. Or yeah, the that works. That yeah. works. That mm-hmm. works. So also, if you can make fun of your boss who's a tyrant, yeah, or an idiot, uh-huh. or a guy who's hired because he's somebody's son-in-law, mm-hmm. that's got to be pretty funny. Yeah. Or maybe you could even make fun of his sexual exploits or her sexual misdeeds in the office to their face. No, behind, uh, behind, all this is yeah. behind their face. Making fun of the boss behind their back is probably the most cohesive bonding thing you can do with yeah. empl- fellow employees. Yeah, it's probably safer to be funny with people who can't fire you. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But, you know, if you have the talent to make mm-hmm. the boss laugh, yeah, I don't know if it's going to get you promoted, but it's sort of a feather in your cap. So if you can make fun of the tyrants, you could also make fun of the people who kiss their asses all the time. Yeah, which is just a ridiculous thing to do for a living. I'll never, ever, ever be able to properly do that. I think it always masks people's incompetencies. If somebody's a kiss-ass, he's probably incompetent. Yes. And something that I'm finding more and more in like professional life is the more talented someone is... Uh Uh, the less likely they are to kiss ass. And if somebody's kissing ass to me and I'm the boss, yeah. that's the guy I'm going to ask to do like the thankless job because you know he's going to say yes. So it just sort of sucks for them. It just sucks for them. Yeah. But you do sort of end up owing them something if they're doing that shit. So it works sometimes. If you're the boss. Yeah. But, you know, kiss asses have their own personal agendas. Yeah, they're usually trying to get ahead. Yeah. And everybody in the office usually has some sort of personal agenda. Mm-hmm. And if they're hidden, mm-hmm. that's what creates some opportunities for humor. I guess, but the only way that it's funny around the office is that people are starting to make fun of those. Yeah. You, know, you, have to, you have to call out the truth. I was in an office last year, and 
the best response that I ever got from my coworkers, the, the only time that they ever felt close to me was when I was doing impressions of other people in the office. And it was pretty easy because I was working, like, I'm a young guy, and almost everyone was a, a middle-aged or senior Jewish lady. So it was a weird contrast between us anyway. So the amount of impressions that I did on a daily basis there was kind of... I would honestly do impressions just to myself. So where were you working where they were all middle-aged Jewish ladies? I was working for the marketing department at the Jewish Community Center. Oh, and they were selling Jews? They were selling Jews. <laughs> they were buying and selling <laughs> Jews. It was a uh, Jewish Community Center, so they have all these different services. You know, they have like day camp, and then they have, uh, you know, you can take swim lessons. Uh, they had uh, community theater. So all this stuff was housed under the Jewish Community Center. I was working for the marketing department. But uh, the, mo- the most fun I ever had there was making fun of my bosses. Uh, and just about everybody there thought they were my boss. Oh, so what would one of those bosses sound like? Oh, um, so they would come in and they'd be like, Oh, Jonathan, we, uh, we were thinking that we would like to have a brochure that says only what times the pool is open during the holidays, during Yom Kippur and, you know, various Shabbats, Tubishvat, Rosh Hashanah, Kol Nidre, whatever, just that's when the pool will be open, we'll have times. And I would respond, like, professionally, like, okay, well, you realize that this is going to be a $3,500 printing. It's going to take a certain amount of time. And all this is going to do is give people information that they can get through the website or newsletter. And they'd be like, no, Jonathan, you're not listening. I said it's a brochure. So I would go around to people, and people would say something to me like, oh, John, do you have that email ready? And I'd say to them, no, 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 it's a brochure. (laughs) And that would get a big laugh. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I would constantly be making fun of the the older Jewish ladies who were my bosses, who really didn't understand the difference between like print and web, yeah, uh, which is huge in marketing. So that uh, was the probably the best time I had there is making fun of the work I had to do, not actually doing it. Well, did everybody you made fun of think you were making fun of somebody else? Yeah, I was making fun of everybody who was who was working there, pretty much. I only had one person who was my equal, and then nine to a dozen people any time who were my superiors. Well, I've got some bad news for you. Hmm. They were also imitating you, and it sounded something like this. Oh, look, I'm I'm Jonathan. I think I'm so funny because I know the difference between a computer and a piece of paper. Oh, <laughs> look at me. I got all these colored pencils. I have uh, these different... Uh, Things I can do on the computer like Photoshop or InDesign Shop or Illustrate Shop. Oh, I can I can type in CSTML. Well, that sounds just like you, actually. They were pretty good at imitating Yeah, you. I think so. You were probably working pretty hard at the JCC. Yeah. And you probably didn't get a whole lot of recognition for your hard work. Another no. source of humor. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of, yeah... There was a general sense of dramatic irony when I would work really hard. Right. And then they'd be like, no, I, no, that's not good. Right. It's like that in advertising, no matter how hard you work. I know you're expressing this frustration off air. No matter how hard you work, you have to do it again. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's uh, really awful about sort of my professional life is that it's a artistic sort of thing for money. So the transition of you have a, a piece of uh, artwork... 
that's going to be something in advertising, and it comes from an artist that's sort of creative, but then it has to be surgically tweaked and it has to be taken apart and turned into like a Frankenstein in order to have it be a. I have a feeling that's going to weave its way into a future skit on this show. <laughs> I think so. Um, people who lie at the office to cover their asses. Uh huh. That is particularly frustrating. Yeah. I don't know if that's a source of humor or not, but you can turn it into one if you heighten what they lie about yeah. and exaggerate that. Of course, sex at the office is always funny. It's only funny if you hear about it or you can right. t- tell people about it. Or I remember, if there's two people having sex who you just think it's disgusting. Even yeah. the visual of them having sex together is disgusting. You know, uh, I used to work in another place where the place was sort of well known for having for having like sex. People who worked there, a lot of people had had sex with other people there. And where's their HR department? <laughs> they don't have one. One hundred percent non-existent. Uh, but this was a theater I was working at, and so it was well known that a lot of the people who worked there were having sex with performers and having sex with like you know the wait staff and the bartenders. It was just it has a reputation for people having sex. Uh, in the in the back, in the in the green room or upstairs in the office or something like that. And uh, funny story that actually uh, the TV show Transparent or it's on um, uh, Prime Instant Video uh, was written and created by someone who used to work there. Oh, so it was based on the sex at the yeah. theater. Yep. Yeah. Well, if there's sex, there's got to be racism jokes, race jokes. I guess. I mean, that's probably the least. Funny just because most businesses are uh, sort of a mixing pot. So it's not always going to be like, you know, in the trading floor, there might be 20 white, middle class white guys or upper class white guys getting together and they can make some jokes. But most offices are, you know, diverse or at least more diverse than they used to be. Right. There's just the, the guy who's always telling about his escapades over the weekend. And yep. making everybody laugh mm-hmm. about what he did over the weekend and who he was with and what mm-hmm. he was doing. And well, that can be a real drag if you're a person who doesn't do much over the weekend. You have to go and listen to someone else's stories. Yeah. So, in conclusion of the humor in the business place, mm-hmm. um, I think what happens is, what becomes funny is when somebody says something that's outside of what you expect them to say mm-hmm. or outside of what's appropriate or in the environment or take something that everybody knows but it's sort of taboo to talk about mm-hmm. but brings it to the fore. Well, I mean, there's a lot of good like interpersonal comedy in the workplace and that's usually something that makes people stick around. Yeah. I think kind of what's funny is the more macro, ridiculous Things about entire businesses. Like what? Like uh, there are business. I've seen like on uh, infomercial, like late at night, they'll be like, oh, don't you have this problem? Like, oh, you're chopping an egg. And oh no, the egg falls apart while you're chopping it. So now we have the perfect eggomatic. And all you have to do is chop this egg by pushing down on this lever, put a hard boiled egg in there, and then you'll get a chopped up egg. I think that's a ridiculous that that business exists. That there's people who sit around in an office and they're talking about how do we market the egomatic, how do we 
do the logistics of the uh, Echo Matic, and then they talk about the production of an infomercial. And this is hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to get a product out there. I think that that's funny that there are people that are get so serious and devote a lot of people's time and money to getting a product to someone's kitchen where they're smushing an egg differently. Right. So what did you do at work today, honey? Well, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, the marketing of the Egomatic and how we're going to buy slightly cheaper steel blades in order to smush it. You know, I mean, that, that's, that kind of thing, like, <laughs> that, was a, that was a day in the office. But ultimately, their entire endeavor of probably dozens or hundreds of people is smushing, smushing food on your counter differently. Yeah, that's a business. Yeah. It's the, it's the smush industry. Mm-hmm. Well, I've, uh, there's other businesses, I think, you know, the just what they're doing, their their product or their goal or what, the, what they're trying to do is not necessarily what any person would, what intelligent person would say that's a good thing to spend your time right. doing. Right. It's just what happened. It's right. like, oh, we found a way to be profitable if we steer this ship of people all of these people are now trying to make money through this product. Uh, it doesn't necessarily f- fulfill a need. <laughs> it's not making the world a better place. It's not satisfying the people who work here. Yeah. It's just the amount of money it costs to run this business is now slightly less than the amount that we're bringing in. Well, that's business in America or yeah. maybe everywhere. And I, I think that's funny. So it's not just humor in businesses, but, you know, it's all workplaces. Mm -hmm. You could work for a government agency. I'm sure that's ripe with humor. You could Mm -hmm. work at a school, a hospital, Mm -hmm. and that's ripe with humor. Or even if you're an athlete or something like that, that could be ripe with humor. I'm looking for our listeners Mm -hmm. to go to our website. Yeah. Which is stickandmortar.com. Stickandmortar.com. Go to your computer or phone or tablet and use your browser and then type in, in stickandmortar.com and then you'll get there. That's how the web works. Right. And I've leave some comments about some funny things that happened to you at your workplace and we'd be happy to either make a skit out of it. Yeah. Or we could uh, read it on the air. Yeah. We'll do anything you want. As long as we get listeners, we're desperate. Also, we just want to have a good time. Yeah. So, if it's really funny, we'll do it. Well, I'm Zach. I'm John. And thanks for listening to the Stick and Mortar Show.